Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Hey, you doing good? Why don't you stand to your feet? Eleni's here. How you guys doing? Doing good? Come on, champion. High fives. You ready to pray? The rest of you? All right, good. Just checking. I had like four people tell me they're ready to pray. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for every, every son, every daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, I step into faith right now. I step in, Lord, to help them. Holy Spirit, I invite you in these moments, Lord, to be the oil that they need, to be the water that quenches the thirst, to be the fire that imparts strength and vision to them, to be the one who declares blessings over them. Help me, help me help them today. Bless every child in our kids' space. Bless every person watching online. Bless every single person, I pray. Come on, pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Help me see what you need me to see. Help me hear what you need me to hear. I declare your kingdom coming, your will being done over my life, over my family, over this house, over this nation, over the nations of the world. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand. Do you, do you love Jesus? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Go ahead, grab your seat, guys. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you ready for this one? Turn to the other person you neglected and tell them he wrote this specially for you. We began last week with a new series called Relabel. Someone say Relabel. We said this line that I hope that you digest and think about if you missed Last week, uh, you can go ahead and watch it on a YouTube uh, station or podcast or something like that. But I'm going to give you this summary. You cannot not wear labels. You cannot not wear labels in this life. I remember many years ago, I was about 13 years old and I was at this tennis weekend and uh, I was sitting next to kind of this 15, 16 year old. I was about 13 at the time. He was a really, really good tennis player and I was wearing what I thought was a Lacoste shirt. Let me say it again. I thought it was a Lacoste shirt. My mother faked it. The, the problem was the crocodile was on backwards. And the problem was that this dude knew. So he's like, hey, your crocodile's on backwards. And I remember as a 13-year-old feeling about this big. I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? My crocodile's on backwards. And then I realized that my Lacoste shirt was not a Lacoste shirt, it was the Lacrae shirt or something weird, I don't know. You cannot not wear labels. John chapter 10 verse 3, and he calls his own sheep by name. Someone say by name. By name. And he 
leads them, there is power in a name, there is power in a label, whether subconsciously or consciously, you and I identify by certain things. And if we identify by the wrong things over time, actually, we will be actually led by the wrong shepherds. I was on the porch of my house recently and I heard three young girls walk by and I think I was working or just reading something and this one girl said to the other girl, you're a this. She was actually being friendly. They were actually having friendly banter. But if I told you the word, you'd go, you can't say that in church. What was she doing? She was labeling this one girl. It was destructive banter. It was revealing banter. I actually believe it was damaging banter because if you keep seeing yourself a certain way you act that way won't you if you keep seeing yourself defeated if you keep seeing yourself like nothing ever goes right for me how do you know that may or may not be true but you've labeled yourself you can label yourself atheist you can label yourself hindu or islam or christian you can label yourself i'm a democrat or republican i'm um, i'm certain skin color and even when it comes to sports for instance if you were into sports and you were young and and uh, maybe you were a football player and you love playing football you're like i'm a football player that was your primary identity but then if your knee got blown out what do you do after that you were a soccer player, a tennis player, a volleyball player, or maybe you were a musician and you wanted to be this professional musician, but you realized you're pretty good. But how many of you know professional is pretty good? And there's a whole bunch of people trying to be professional, but how many of you know that a lot of the time they're hobbies? If you're not good enough to be professional, guess what it is? A hobby. Anyway, didn't want to crush your dreams. Genesis 1.26 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Someone say, in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along. So God created mankind in His own image. The original design for you and me was to reflect our original father that was God's plan all along to actually reflect the image of God and I mean it's a beautiful thing to be called the reflection of the image of God but how many know that sin has tarnished that and so now we wrestle to reflect him and in Christ we can reflect him I said this last week and I think it's worth thinking about and processing and perhaps journaling about when one of your identities takes precedence over your primary identity, you can easily be manipulated by a culture who is looking for followers. If you want to know your primary identity, you must go back to the beginning and anchor your soul to this truth. Someone say, anchor it. Why does it seem hard? Why is it that an insult seems to last longer than a positive point? Someone says to you, ladies, you're beautiful, but for some reason you remember the 10 years ago thing. Sometimes, men, you, you, someone says, you're a champion, but for some reason you think about yourself and that one time that you lost your job or that one time that someone said an insult to you. And that insult actually sometimes, it speaks louder many times than actually our true identity. 
Why, why, why does it seem so hard? Revelation chapter 12, verse 17 says this. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. How many know we live in a world at war? You're like, yeah, I don't want to. You do. I want to live in a world of vacations. No, you don't. Have you ever noticed even on vacation, you take you? <laughs> so if you're not having a good time on vacation, how many know it's probably not vacation's fault? You're there. And the enemy's assignment on your life is to doubt your label, deny your label, and redesign your label. Let me say that again. The enemy's primary assignment against you is to doubt your label, deny your label, and redesign your label. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Adam, our first father, was tempted and he failed. And so instead of imparting righteousness to his children, he actually imparted sin. And that's why the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness so that he would overcome temptation and so that with Christ himself, he would actually pass on righteousness to you. He is known as, uh, the Bible says it, the second Adam. Someone say the second Adam. He had to pass the test that the first Adam could not pass. And so he, he, where Adam passed on sin, Christ imparts on righteousness. Someone say amen. amen. Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says this. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. As you read Matthew chapter 4, the enemy of our soul tempts Jesus. And he says this line a lot. He says, if you are. Someone say that with me. If you are. Come on, say, if you are. What was his first temptation? His first temptation was to deny and to doubt his identity. If you are the son of God. If you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, you wouldn't be struggling with that. Has the enemy ever told you that? If you're a Christian, you wouldn't be struggling with that. You would have joy, peace, and patience. Oh! Some say God's still got some work to do. If you are the son of God, the primary assignment of the enemy was to doubt his identity because when you doubt your identity, you end up redefining it, don't you? Why is it such a terrible thing? I believe that, that this demonic teaching is going into schools all over the nation to doubt your gender. If you are a male, if you are a female, why would you introduce doubt to that very private part of someone's world at five and six and seven and eight years old? Why would you do that? You haven't aligned with a demonic teaching. If you are. Got heavy there. Yeah, amen. Satan's first assignment is to invite you into doubting your identity and you might be like well Anthony this is how I feel how many know the feelings come from focus you and I have to lead our thinking you're like oh, these thoughts rise up they will rise up but you have to lead your thinking Jesus says if you hold to my teachings 
then you're my disciples, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? But he, but he gives this preface, because sometimes we'll sing about it in church, like the truth is setting me free. But Jesus is like, yes, but I'm trying to lead you to believe me. I'm trying to, be, I'm trying to lead you to think on me and to stop doubting your identity, but you're doubting your identity, and so it actually ends up causing a turmoil in your soul. Hmm. Then Jesus says this, he responds and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus puts primary importance on consuming, digesting, and meditating on God's word. Say this with me, we all meditate. Say, what are you meditating on? Say it again, we all meditate. What are you meditating on? Sometimes we, we spiritualize the word meditation. We think we have to sit down and say, um, put our fingers like this. Not sure why they do that, but they do this. I could even go in this little squat here. I don't. And you're like, I, Pastor, anything? I don't meditate. Meditate is simply thinking. So all of us are thinking, aren't we? Therefore, all of us are meditating, aren't we? And Jesus said, listen, some of us, especially men, how many men or readers say yes? How many men aren't readers? Is couple, no one wanted a minute. Okay, three, four. Okay. Here's the deal. Just because you're not a reader doesn't mean you're not a meditator. So you, either way, you still have to somehow determine what your meditation is going to be. Jesus said this. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means God is still saying things. God is still saying things. And you need to meditate on what he's saying. Let it come alive in you in Jesus' name. Are you with me, church? He wants you to doubt your label. He wants you to deny your label. He wants to violate your label. And he wants to give you a new label. Matthew chapter 4 verse 9. He takes him to the highest place. And then he says, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Someone say fame. Someone say money. Someone say power. Someone say sex. Every single temptation that you've ever dealt with was offered to Jesus in this moment. Sex, money, and power. How many of you have ever thought, if I just had enough money, then I'll be happy? If I just had that position, I'll be happy. If I just had this sexual temptation, I'll be happy. And he is lured into it, and then Jesus literally looks at him. Go back to that scripture, please, guys. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 4. He says, you're in the wrong scripture. Thank you. <laughs> Matthew 4 verse 9. Have you got 4 verse 9? Yes. Thank you, team. You're amazing. And he said to them, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. And what does he do? He says, he reveals his primary purpose. The primary purpose of the enemy isn't for you to doubt. That's just the path. The primary purpose of the enemy is to get you to worship you satanism if you actually talk to satanists which i don't recommend <laughs> unless you're inviting them to church <laughs> unless you're saying listen i'll pray for you 
they will actually tell you that the essence of Satanism is simply to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. Whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. What does Satan lure you and I to do? Do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. Then you become your own idol. And then guess what? You reflect him. Prideful, lustful, greedy, bitter, angry. And now what are you doing? Now you're just reflecting him. What does God want you to do? Pray, faith, forgive, be generous. Let that thing go. Why? So that you might reflect him. There's nothing more that I want from my children is that I love when my children reflect an attribute of me. It's kind of selfish. I love when I see my kids and someone will say, oh, that, that's just like you. And like, yes. Do you know that God wants to look at you and he wants to see his reflection on you? Oh, look, at she could have held a grudge, but she forgave. She could have been bitter, but she let it go. She could have held on, but she gave. She, she, she could have let doubt consume her world, but she said, no, I will believe. And in those moments, what happens, Church Alive, you start to reflect your Father who made you. And that is the essence of worship. The essence of worship isn't lifting your hands in an atmosphere. It is actually obedience. But how do you actually become more obedient? You actually worship and you see Him. And when you see Him, you reflect Him. And the more you'll see Him, eventually the more you'll reflect Him. Because how many know you can leave praise and worship time in this church and walk out and be a jerk? Oh, you were like, praise the Lord praise you and then you get down in your car and someone's in your way <sighs> sounds like there's too many guilty people how did you know that pastor anthony has that ever happened to you no <laughs> uh, let me teach for a little bit are you okay question is what is my real identity you're like uh, um i'm a white person you know, no that's not your primary identity i'm from australia yeah that's part of my nationality um i like sports yeah that's part of my gifting what is my primary identity ephesians i'm going to go through 10 quick verses if you like to take notes this is a great message for you if you hate taking notes you won't enjoy this next six minutes what is my real identity? Paul lays it out for the church at Ephesus and let me go through it quickly. The first thing he calls them is saints. A saint is not someone who's died 300 years ago and did nice things. A saint is someone who's put their faith in the person of Christ and at that moment they become righteous. And Paul says to the saints, it really means you are now God's people. He says, that's your primary identity. You are God's people, made in the image and the likeness of God. That, that righteousness has actually been imparted to you through grace. He says, you are saints. Someone say saints. Someone say blessed. The next section, he says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Someone say, I'm blessed. In Christ, it's, it's breaking the power of sin and curse. And it is actually taking on the simplicity of, I'm blessed. Someone say, I'm blessed. Come on, say it again. I'm blessed. Someone say, in Christ, I'm blessed. 
Now, sometimes, haven't you noticed that other people will try to make you feel like you're not blessed? And that's why it's so important to relabel yourself. No, mate, this person says I'm not blessed. No, I am blessed in Christ. And therefore, out of being blessed, I can walk in a position of blessing. Three, Ephesians 1 verse 3, you are chosen. Someone say chosen. chosen. Ephesians 1 verse 5, someone say adopted. adopted. Adopted Christ actually with his own blood. Purchased your adoption price. Literally disconnected from God. And he says, I came through the cross and now I adopt you back into the family of God. Number five, his body. Someone say his body. It is dangerous to simply look at yourself as solely an individual person. You have actually been baptized into the body of Christ. You have been immersed into the body of Christ. So therefore, his body becomes a primary thing. This is why it's such a mistake when people say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, but if you're part of the body, wouldn't you hang out with the body? Or would you want to be a disconnected finger? How many know disconnected toes don't do well? Disconnected fingers don't do well. If I'm disattached from the body, if I cut my ear off, how many you know now I just have a shriveled ear? If you want your life to flourish, stay connected to the body. If you want your life to shrivel, Number six, Ephesians 2.1, made alive in Christ. That means you're, you were alive before, but sin had separated you from God. Now your spirit comes alive. Ephesians 2.6, seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2.8, saved. Someone say saved. What does that mean? It means to literally be rescued from something, rescued from sin, rescued from the wrath of God, rescued from the, the power of the enemy. Number eight, uh, number nine here, his workmanship. I love this one. Someone say, I am, I am. his workmanship. Someone say, God is still working. Now, how do you allow God to work in your life? You surrender. Because if you don't allow God to to work in your life guess what you surrender to something else and someone else and it's like something else and someone else is working in your life but when i am his workmanship even when i don't feel it he's working even when i don't see it nico he's working amen, amen. amen. ephesians 2 10 created in christ Someone say, what's my real identity? Someone say, I just saw it. Now, how do you grow in that? That's really the question. How many know that's not a one-month thing? That's not a one-year thing? Five years from now, ten years from now, you're still going to have to renew your mind. You're, until you get to heaven one day, you're still going to have to catch up with all that Jesus did on the cross. Until you get to heaven and then one day you're going to see it all. The 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul said, Now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror. He said, Then we shall see face to face. He says, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. He says, Even as I am fully known. You're literally going to know God in His fullness. It's beautiful. All right, so how do we apply this? Someone say, Wisdom is all about application. How many know it's nice to hear this? It's another thing to apply this. 
So let me try and take you through a little bit of a journey that um, I read a book recently called uh, Switch On Your Brain. Someone say Switch On Your Brain. <laughs> Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a uh, neuroscientist that works with trauma patients and she really has discovered a lot of good things that she basically said, oh, I discovered it, but it's in the Bible. I'm going to give you five thoughts because I think today is one of those Sundays that you need to leave today and do something. Someone say, do something. Someone say, wisdom is in the application. Here's what she encourages you to do. Number one, gather. Gather. Let me see what's on the screen just because I feel like, oh, okay. All right, cool. Otherwise, I was going to give you all kinds of stuff. Okay, gather. What does that mean? It means sit quietly and gather your thoughts. What are you thinking about? You've got to think about what you're thinking about. What are you digesting from the environment? One of the dangers of your phones, one of the dangers of Netflix, that's you can always entertain yourself and eventually you don't think deeply. In this book, she also suggested that the longer you're on social media, the less deeply you think because you're always thinking in just 10 second bites, 10 second bites, 10 second bites. So why are you not thankful because you're not thinking deeply about your life? Why are you just allowing everyone else to lead your thinking? Why? Because they're just, they're giving you thoughts. How many know garbage in, garbage out? That goes for health, that goes for your mind. Garbage in, garbage in, eventually, what are you going to vomit out? Garbage. Gather. Focused reflection. The second step is focused reflection. What specific thoughts need building up or tearing down? There's some thoughts that are good thoughts. Some thoughts, people like me, people love me, I love people, they're good thoughts. I hate people, don't like people, never want to be with people. That's a bad thought. Especially if you're a Christian, because Jesus said you're going to love people. I still meet people today, they're like, I hate people. I was like, oh, that's weird. Because Jesus said the greatest command is love God and love people. Focus reflection. Write. The power of writing your thoughts down is you're actually doing what the Father has already done in your life because your DNA is made of a genetic code which is basically written down. God told Habakkuk, write down the vision, make it plain on tablet. He told the Apostle John in Revelation, write down in a book something I'm about to show you. Do you know every president of the United States of America, all of them journaled. There is a power in writing thoughts down. Thank you for this. The vision of my life is this. And don't just write it one time. Write it over and over and over again. Revisit. What does that mean? It means replace toxic, lying, false labels with truthful thoughts and imaginations. Someone say revisit it. Now here's the last little section here. Active reach, like what does that mean? It means act upon the new thought or identity. How many of you are organized? Put up your hand. Okay, how many are disorganized? How many of you disorganized, you struggle with your disorganization? What if for 21 days you just started writing down, I'm organized and I follow through. I'm organized and I follow through. How many of you perhaps would like to be more happy? Like nine of us, good, good. What about the rest of you? Uh, 
What if you wrote down every day, man, I'm happy, I'm blessed. God's favor is upon my life. I make wise choices. I learn from dumb choices of the past. I forgive the past. I move on from the past. I have a bright future. Write it down, write it down, write it down. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20. Let me read this last scripture and then let me tell you a quick story. Ephesians 4 verse 20. Paul says this, that however is not the way of life you learned. He says, when you heard about Christ and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Someone say former. How many know there has to be some things you let go of? There has to be some things that you change. Jesus didn't say, I love you the way you are and I'm just going to leave you that way. He says, I love you the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. He says, your former way of life, to put off your what? Your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but to be made new in what? What is attitude? Thoughts. That's all it is. Your thoughts lead your life. Your thoughts lead your life. Good thoughts, good life. Good thoughts, good life. Negative thoughts, negative life. Negative confession, negative life. Someone say good thoughts. Someone say good life. Some of you go, no, I want to wait till my life's good and then I'll have a good life. No, it's actually the other way around. Your thoughts are leading your life. Let me tell you a situation that happened recently, which I had to relabel. Someone say relabel. I was at the mall Friday night with my daughter. I was having a little daddy-daughter date. Beautiful little time. We uh, went to this little art place and she colored on this little dog and... and, um, so forth and my uh, my son was doing something my daughter was doing something he's had some alone time I'm like, man this is so good i feel like i need to do this more um and then we went to i think california uh pizza i think it's called is that right california pizza good pizza there's a little steak pizza they do there Whew. it's pretty good i'm telling you right now even cauliflower cauliflower base it's like a gluten-free thing i'm telling you it tastes better than the other one it even makes you feel lighter <laughs> oh look at me i'm eating my cauliflower <laughs> while I'm eating pizza. How many know that's the will of God? <laughs> anyway, it's this steak pizza that, that I get and hope he got cheese pizza and then takes off all the cheese. <laughs> Which is quite evil. Uh, I'm like, honey, leave the cheese on. She's like, it's too cheesy. Can't be too cheesy. Can it? Some people double cheese, triple cheese. I'll have quadruple cheese, please. My daughter's like, no, no cheese. Anyway, we're sitting there, just paid the bill. And then all of a sudden we hear pop, 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 pop. I'm like, what? And everyone starts running. And my daughter looks at, daddy, daddy, what's happening? And this one person kneeled down, put his table down. And I went, oh my goodness, it's happening. Grab my daughter, literally there's an exit sign right there, run out. Realize 30 seconds later, crap, I forgot my phone, my wallet's in there, it's attached to it, and so forth. And I didn't care, obviously, I'm not going back. We head towards the car, lots of people are running, lots of people are kind of freaking out, lots of people are calling people, and, and so forth. 
We leave the mall. Police are starting to come to the mall. And obviously, it was a scary moment. And I was just scared for her, to be honest. My Hope is a extremely joyous kid. She's seven. She's got more joy than most. And I, I was actually praying for her. I was like, oh, Lord, I pray this wouldn't impart fear to her. I pray that it would just be fine. And, and when we got home, she was upset. She was like, Daddy, Daddy, how are you going to call Mummy? And how are you going to get your phone? I'm like, honey, I'm not worried about my phone. It's okay. I, I, she's like, what about your credit cards? What are you going to do about that? Don't worry. I call the bank and it's okay. And how are you going to buy me more toys? And I'm like, no more toys ever. Uh, but then interesting enough, so I call California Pizza, um, go to the next door neighbor, hey, can I borrow your phone? Told him the situation. I think there was some shooting and different stuff. And I call California Pizza and... Um, then I said, hey, I was just there when everyone started running and bailing out and was there, was there a shooting? And I said, actually, no, there was some kind of fight in the cafeteria and all these trays had dropped, like six or seven trays. It was like bang, 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 bang. And what we thought was a shooting was just trays. Obviously grateful, Right. But how many know my imagination still felt like emotionally that happened? My imagination was still like, oh my gosh, I was still kind of hyped up for like the next hour. And I had to relabel something in my own life and relabel it for my daughter. We thought it was a tragic circumstance, but it wasn't. It was actually just an accident that we thought. But how many know that our whole culture sometimes gets affected by things that are lies and literally we have to relabel them and define them as truth. This is why the truth sets you free, but lies bind you. Because I could have walked around the rest of my life. I'm never going to a mall again. There was a shooting when I went and I almost lost my daughter. But the truth was, a bunch of trays fell down. How many know it's a different story? And I could have came here and like, guys, there was a shooting. And I was there. And your pastor, he almost died. And seven men tried to kill him. Relabel it. You have to relabel your life. You have to relabel some of the, the mistakes you've made to not mistakes, lessons. How many of you have ever done some dumb things? Say yes. How many know those dumb things can now be your lessons? Those dumb things can be your teachers. Those dumb things can be your wisdom moments. Those dumb things, those pains. Those dumb financial relational decisions, we must relabel. But how many know that sometimes you get labeled something else and personally you carry it? And I've often asked, seen that, that God asked me to do something and often what pops up is insecurity, is a fear. I'm not able, I'm not capable. He's like, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to do it with me. Can you stand to your feet for a moment? Some say, I am a saint. Some say, I am blessed. Some say, I am chosen. Come on, church alive. Some say, I am adopted. I am his body. I am alive. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am forgiven. I am blessed. I am his workmanship. I am created in Christ Jesus. Some say, good things do happen for me. Someone say, I lead my life 
by leading my thinking. And I will relabel my past, my present, my future to align with God's purpose for my life. I am more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am victorious. I'm not my past. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Come on, I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Come on, if you believe it. Come on, would you give the Lord a hand? Thank you. Here's something practical. Here's something practical. What's the one area that I listed that you need to write down for the next three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks? Dr. Carolyn Leaf would say this, after 21 days of saying it, it's starting to finally get in there. Write it down. One area. I'm diligent. I'm blessed. I'm thankful. I'm happy. I'm created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance that I might walk in. I am more than a conqueror. I can be a great wife. I can be a great husband. Whatever it is, start writing it down. Go to work with God so that God can go to work with you. Come on, do you believe that? Praise God. Praise God. Come on, would you close your eyes with me? Father, thank you for your magnificent people. They are your workmanship. They are your sons and your daughters. And though sometimes we struggle with this, and though sometimes we wrestle with this, I pray, Holy Spirit, that the areas of their mind and their heart that they need to apply, that we need to apply, that every pastor on our team, leader in our church, every man, every woman, Lord, that they would apply the Word of God to their life. Lord, not just for a day or a week or a month, but God, for years, for years. And I declare persevering people. I declare overcoming people over your church right now. I declare people that don't quit, that don't just throw in the towel and say, I tried that before. But I just believe you, Lord, for a fresh renewal of spirit and strength of mind to do what they're called to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Eyes closed still. Maybe you're here today and you don't feel loved. You don't feel like God has a plan for you. And I want to tell you, my friend, God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but He came to save the world, to forgive the world, to give abundant life to the world, to give peace into hearts. He came to forgive. He is the bridge from God to man. It is the bridge called the cross. The cross paid the debt so that you and I might be adopted. The cross is the place where you and I might be accepted and blessed and seated with Christ in heavenly places. And maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ into your heart. Maybe your mum was a Christian or mum was Catholic or father was, but for you it just never seemed to sit. Maybe in this moment right here, right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing your life and drawing your heart. And I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit would knock. I believe He's knocking on the doors of hearts right now. 
If you know that's you today, don't go another Sunday. Don't go another day. We're not promised a tomorrow. We're promised now. So all across this place, I'm going to lead us in a simple prayer. That prayer is a simple prayer to say yes to Jesus. If you want to do that, if you know you need to do that, let's do that together. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you love me even when I didn't love you. I ask you, come into my life. Change my heart. Forgive my sin. Make me new from this day on. Help me know you. Help me hear your voice. Help me be blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. With eyes closed all across this place. Just in a private moment, if you made business with God, would you quickly slip up your hand all across this place? All across this place. Thank you, man. Anyone else today? Raise your hand. Raise it up high enough for me to see it. Thank you, sweetheart. Anyone else today? Man, maybe you feel like you're coming back to God. Thank you, honey. Anyone else today? Raise that hand. Raise it high enough or long enough for me to see it. Thank you. Thank you today. Thank you today. You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for every hand, every heart, every life. Bless their homes and lives and marriages and hearts in every single way. Help them know you. Pierce their heart with the truth that they need to apply, I pray.